Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. To Legacy Church. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tony, and my wife and I are privileged to be the lead pastors of this crazy, amazing bunch, okay? Um, hey, you guys, uh, happy new year. Happy new year to you all. Uh, way to brave the snow and ice. I know some of you aren't Idahoans, you know, and it showed on your drive-in this morning. Come on, that was, that was supposed to be funny. That was first, first joke of 2024 is already, uh, you know, flopping. Anyway, uh, if you're here to, uh, as a visitor this morning, maybe this is your first time, uh, we'd like to welcome you. And one of the things we like to say around here is you're not just our visitor, but you are our guest. And so uh, as part of our hospitality to you, we would love to get to know you and see how we can serve you and help you along your journey. So if you would do us a favor and fill out a Connect card, that's going to be located in the seat back in front of you. And then you can turn that in at the Info Hub. There's a television right outside the entrance of the sanctuary. Uh, there's going to be a person standing there after the service. You can turn that in. They'll exchange it for a gift. Uh, for the rest of you that are family, welcome home. Hey, I missed you. Is that okay to say? Uh, because, you know, last week we were online only, and how many of you enjoyed the rest. Thank you, volunteers, for serving every Sunday. We do that every year. We, we, we give our volunteers a break. 130 people make this place go round. Um, I'm telling you. So we, we do that. But can I be honest with you? Uh, last Sunday, it felt a little awkward for me. I'm like sitting in my sweatpants going, it's 10 o'clock and I haven't already preached a sermon. And I'm like twiddling my thumbs and like, so I missed you guys, okay? Uh, it's good to be back in the house of God. And we are starting a brand new series that I know I get excited about pretty much anything that happens in the house of God, but I'm really excited about this series that we are calling On Earth As It Is in Heaven. And to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure I know how long this series is going to go. We're going to just go ahead and, and just trust the Spirit of God in this. I can tell you that in my preparation, there's already six to eight weeks worth of sermons. Um, and if I'm going to uh, really stick to being more disciplined this year, then we're going to just, you know, uh, kind of milk these sermons out. Otherwise, I want to preach for like an hour every Sunday, and we don't want that, okay? Uh, so today, my, my goal is this, is I, I, want, I really just want to give you a generic, general overview of what we're going to look towards in the following weeks. And so it might actually look and feel a little bit different than like a usual Sunday with me where you're going to get a sermon. Today, you're going to get more of a teaching, if that's okay. I promise I'll still be funny here and there. If anything, I'll be funny looking. And um, thank you for that. Uh, but I really just want to give you an overview that's going to lay out the groundwork for the next few weeks. Uh, this is a topic I don't want to rush. Essentially, what I want to say is I don't want to rush a topic such as prayer. I don't want to rush a topic such as intercession and what it is to cry out to heaven and make an appeal to heaven and, and relate with God in such a way that we are so close and intimate that prayer is not our last resort, but it's the first thing we run to. 
And so in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 5 through 13, if you would open up your Bibles, today we're reading out of the New King James Version, and it says this. This is Jesus speaking. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I just want to read that line once again. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Can I just tell you, whatever you do behind the scenes will have a direct effect on what happens out in public. Thank you for that. Amen, Pastor Paula. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Excuse me. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. How many of you are grateful for that? In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. By the way, some of you are already kind of just rushing through this reading. This is why we're milking this. We're going to slow this down. Some of you have heard this many times. We're going to slow this down. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, this day, our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now, Spirit of God, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our understanding. I pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room, no matter where they're at on their faith walk and their journey of life, I pray that you would speak to us, you would teach us, and you would help us, God, to be the kind of people that not just amen a preacher or just agree with a scripture, but help us to walk it out and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you were the last picked at recess or gym class? Raise your hand. Come on, I stand with you in in solidarity. You know, uh, growing up, if you you never went to public school, then you didn't experience this. Maybe you experienced this in the neighborhood, but growing up in gym class or at recess, whenever there was a team sport to play, the teacher would divide you up into two groups, right? And they would choose a captain, which was usually the better looking, more athletic uh, two people of the group, and they would choose their teams. Well, believe it or not, I know you look at me and you see a specimen of humanity and you think, oh, uh, surely he was the first pick. Well, some of you that have been around here for a while have seen photos of me growing up and you can draw your own conclusion as to whether or not I was the first pick or the last one picked. No one wanted to pick 60 pound, buck teeth, bowl cut, high waters, high waisted shorts. Tony for their team. And how many of you know that, that, that if you're last, you actually don't get picked? Uh, it's just they're stuck with you because there's no other choice, right? So technically, I was never picked. Uh, it's just the team was stuck with me sometimes. And what does this have to do with prayer? You see, I think 
Many times we look at the idea of prayer as the last resort. The last tool we reach into our toolbox many times is prayer. I've tried all these other things. I, I guess I'll try this prayer thing. Uh, and, and, and historically speaking, in the church, can I tell you the idea of prayer being a last resort is relatively new. In fact, our forefathers and, and, and the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, early church, prayer was the engine room to the church. Prayer was the engine room for every believer and disciple of Christ that understood, I can do nothing good. Hear me on this. Nothing good apart from Him. And so today, as we lay out the foundation for this series on prayer that we've called On Earth As It Is In Heaven, my heart's cry, my friend, is that you and I would begin to look at prayer as our first and most powerful tool. That we not sell it short, that we not take it for granted. And right away, I've got to say this. I understand this particular scripture can seem a bit formulaic. And for some of you Protestants that grew up in maybe a charismatic environment, you're almost a little thrown off because this can seem a little bit too formulaic, a little bit too religious, a little bit too confined to this is what we must say at all times. And Tony, this kind of can feel a little bit, and if we're, if we're really bold, we almost say a little Catholic, right? And here's the problem is, as Protestants, as those that have, that have, that, that have maybe uh, separated from what has historically been known as a, a, a formulaic, religious kind of approach to the gospel, we have unfortunately thrown the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to this prayer. And I know I'm already starting the year off offending some of you charismatics out there. Because for the sake of not being religious formulaic, what we've done is we've made this prayer that Jesus taught as a, something that's obsolete. As something that no longer holds power because, well, it just, it's just a formula. And here's what I want to correct in our theology and our doctrine today is there are many approaches to prayer and intercession, first of all. There are many ways that you and I now living on this side of the cross that we have full access to God the Father. But there is something about what Jesus taught when his disciples are going, how do, how do we get what you got with the Father? How do we get this connection? Jesus, we've noticed everything you do is under his will. It's, it's empowered through him. You, you've even said, man, we wanted to bring glory to him and, and the spirit of God and this, this triune beauty. And they're like, how do we do this? And, and Jesus doesn't say, do it like this every single day. He goes, this is how we walk daily in relationship with him. And, and so I believe there's, check this out, you guys, new year, new me. <clears throat> There's not three things today. There are five things. Okay. If you're visiting us, the inside joke is I have three points every Sunday and I barely make it through on time. So feel the fear right now. Just, just own it. Okay. I believe there's five things in this scripture that, that Jesus actually is teaching us 
about how we approach prayer. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at each one of these five things in a really, in a really special, intricate, detailed way. Today, like I said, it's going to be an overview. But, but here's, here's what I, I want to just tell you right off the bat as Protestant, charismatic, Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-filled church. Um, we can emphasize so much on the experience of God that many times we forget about the importance of the intimacy with God. And if you don't believe me, Charles Spurgeon himself, the, the prince of preachers, once said this, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. We emphasize so many times in, in the modern culture of Christianity, of Protestant living, where we show up on a Sunday and we hope the preacher doesn't go too long and we hope we can sing some great songs. We emphasize, man, this idea of preaching, which by the way is good and it should be revered and it should be holy. And there's a reason why this pulpit isn't just handed off to anybody. Absolutely. But the prince of preachers would say, hey, instead of 10 men being great preachers, there's more power in one man knowing how to pray. Here's a few other things I, I got to just preface this entire series with. Uh, let me make a few statements. A praying church is a powerful church. Yes. Now let me say one thing. We will limit our power as a church if we continue to relegate prayer to the older generation. I'm talking to you young people. I just want to make it clear. Historically speaking, and maybe because of logistics, and we're going to address that, you know, we, we relegate to the older generation who's retired and has time, so they have nothing better to do than pray. And we will limit our power, because everybody gets excited when, we, when a preacher says a praying church is a powerful church. But we'll limit our power when we relegate prayer to one generation and one generation only. A praying people, our a powerful people. We must teach every generation the importance, the power, and the anointing that is found in the hidden place with Jesus. We are responsible, my friend, for handing this down from generation to generation. If we're going to be the kind of people that sing, yours is a kingdom, yours is a power, glory forever and ever, that means there are generations in those forevers. Yes. Yes, right. If we're going to sing about the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of David, we're looking, we're looking at past generations. What about the generations that are to come? Yeah. Yes. A powerful people are a praying people. Amen. And like my wife always says to our children, how will anyone else know unless you tell them? Third thing I want to tell you and preface this, I'm not even into my first five points, okay? There's a reason why you don't have points written in today's bulletins. You just have wide open notes, okay? Let me tell you this. Apart from God's presence and power, we will forever be limited, hear me, at risk, liable to lean on our own understanding. 
You want a big life? Come on, it's okay to say if you want a big life or not. You want, you want, you want to raise big children with, with like big minds, not limited minds? Right, you want big vision for your life, big mission, big, big, you, 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 want, you want all that God, all the abundance that God has for you on this side of eternity. Can I tell you, apart from the presence and the power of God, we will be limited, we will be at risk, and we will be liable to try to live these big lives based on our own understanding. Prayer. Here's the fourth thing I want to tell you. Prayer is not getting God to do what we want. It is getting a revelation of what He wants. You know, we take scriptures. We love to take scriptures and go, whatever you pray in my name, it will be done. And we completely forget the context of getting His will into our hearts first. And when we pray according to His will... Prayer, hear me on this, prayer is not getting God to do what we want. It's really getting our will aligned to His will. And we'll never get that unless we know what He wants. Here's a sixth thing I want to tell Five, the fifth thing, excuse me, that I want to tell you. It's still not my first five points, okay? It's just a pre-sermon. It's still good stuff though, right? Okay. Uh, everything you do for God is connected to what you do through and with God. A lot of us want to do a lot of great big things for God. Everything you do for God is directly connected to what you do through and with God. If you don't believe me, look at Jesus as he teaches about how, hey, I'm the vine, y'all are the branches. Apart from me, he says, you can do no good thing. Okay? Here's the last preface I want to tell you. Every great act or miracle in your life will be directly connected to the power of prayer. Every great act and miracle will be directly connected to the power of prayer. If you don't believe me, read the entire book of Acts. The book of Acts has historically been named the Acts of the Apostles. Every miracle the apostles performed in the book of Acts was prefaced with what? Time in the secret place. You guys ready for my five things today? Yes. Number one thing that we see here. There's five S's. Number one is stillness. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 6 through 8, it says this, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. By the way, this right here already shows you the intent that what he gives us as the, what's known as the Lord's Prayer is not just something to just be repeated for repetition's sake. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right off the bat. 
And, and it says this, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many war words. Why do I keep struggling with the word word? I don't know. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. I don't know about you, but this sounds to me like a very still and intimate posture. And so this first idea of stillness, the book of Psalms, chapter 46, verse 10, the psalmist actually even says this, be still. Hey, 2024, those of you that are on Instagram, Facebook, you're already getting flooded with all these influencers telling you everything you've got to do and everything you've got to accomplish this year. Get after it. Shred for 75 days. By the way, I, I'm not against you setting some goals. Most of them are going to be fitness goals. I get it. It's 2024. More power to you. I get it. But in a world that's telling us, do, 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 do. Accomplish, 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 accomplish. Let's brag about how busy our schedules are. Jesus goes, be still. Practicing stillness, as the psalmist says, involves knowing that He is God. Look at this. Be still and know that I am God. Can I, can I offend a few of you here a little further? I think the reason why you have trouble being still is because you, you, you actually think you're in charge. Well, Tony, if I don't do it, who will? I, I don't know. My Bible says he's doing when I'm resting. I saw, um, speaking of social media, I saw a meme the other day. And it said, uh, God, on the seventh day, I took a nap and I rested. Humans, I got this God seven days a week. Listen, the pace of this world... Hear me, church, don't hear, don't hear a political statement, please. The pace of this world is trying to get you to not pay attention to what's truly important. The pace of this world is attempting you to go out and get yet another job because you got to keep up with the Jones. And now we've gotten, again, please don't, but now we're living in a culture where both parents are, are, are working 70, 80 hours a week and pawning their kids off. And, and again, please, I want to be real careful with how I say this. So I understand different people are called to different things, okay? But, but the message, the essence of what this culture is doing to us is trying to wear you thin so that you are not paying attention to what's actually important. And so your kids are lucky if they get barely a present parent for a couple hours a night. And so I, I, I'm going to just get, I'm, I'm going to go right for the jugular. Do what you need to do to put in stillness into your daily life. Where you're not just carting your kid from one thing to the next. Where you're not just running from one appointment to the next. Where when your friend goes, hey, how you doing? Oh, busy, 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 busy. You should see my calendar. Busy, busy, busy but blessed, busy but blessed. 
where we don't, guys, I'm telling you, and I know, I, I can see it in your face, I can feel it in your spirit, it's okay. I, I just, just don't hear what I'm not saying. God wants you and I to learn how to be still. You want to know, oh my Lord, I got to be careful, I got to be really careful because of time. Or I can just, yeah, I can just preach it and keep it going next week, that's fine, Tony. Okay. Um, If you know my past, you know this. I, I, and again, we're an expressive church. Like we, we're passionate about worship. We're passionate about the Holy Spirit. We're passionate about His giftings. Uh, but here's here's what has taken place sometimes in in this kind of a church is if we're not careful, we think the activity of the Holy Spirit is only ever loud and emotive. Um. But do you want to know something about, and by the way, as somebody who literally has a gift of prophecy and a gift of faith, um, I hear God in a still, small voice. So some of you are going, I don't hear God. I don't feel God. He's not close. I would venture to say, look at your calendar. Look at your schedule. And even if you do have time in your calendar, what are you doing with that time? Are you filling it with noise? Are you binging Netflix? Are you, are you, or are you going, I'm going to be still in the presence of God? Okay. I wonder why we don't practice stillness. If you're anything like me, it's because I'm fearful of what I'm going to hear. Come on. Uh, if I'm quiet, then I got to face some things. And like I just told someone here this morning, in my 35 years of living, I was nine years old when I gave my life to the Lord. I've been doing full-time ministry for 15 years now. In all these years, I've yet to have God bring something to the surface that could be hard, could be difficult, but that he didn't intend to heal. So if you're afraid of the silence, my friend, because of what the silence will bring, can I tell you you're going to encounter a good, merciful father? You don't have to be afraid. Stillness invites us to intimacy. And like I said, what happens in the open is going to be a direct result of what takes place in the secret place. Number two, second S today, submission. I wasn't going to get any amens on that one. <laughs> Matthew 6, 9 to 10. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the recognition of you're above and I'm under. You notice that? God, I'm not above. You are. Which puts me in a position of submission. Puts me in a position of, God, I'm coming under you. I come and I sit under your authority under your sovereignty, under your greatness. And, and here's, and here's the, the verbiage here of hallowed be your name. 
is a direct translation of the following phrases. First of all, it's an action verb that says it must be lifted. Your name must be lifted. Your name must be praised. And like we ended out the year this last week on our online message, some of you are overdue in your praise. Your name must be praised. And look at this. And it must be uniquely valued above anything else in the world. So when we say, hallowed be your name, that's what we're saying. That's what we're declaring. It must be lifted high. It must be praised. It must be uniquely valued. But my friend, some of us are treating the name of Jesus like a rabbit's foot, if I'm honest. And what Jesus is teaching us is as we come under the authority of Jesus and as we now through his spirit can say he is Lord of our lives, there's not just power in his name. There's power in what we must say and believe about that very name. In other words, yes, my friend, you and I, we're not God. But Tony, you're making a lot of assumptions here. I, I don't say that I'm God. Can I tell you, you might not come out and say with your words that you're God, but can I tell you, your actions and your intentions and your thoughts can tell you that you are in charge. Submission means that they're surrendering to His will. Number three, third S. We're going to break all these out, you guys, so don't even worry about, um, you know, I'm just giving you a taste today. It's a little bit of a taste and see. Number three, supplication. Matthew 6, 11 to 13. Are you getting something out of this? Look at this. It moves to give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Did you know that many times in prayer, you and I skip the first S, the second S, and we go straight to the third S? Anybody guilty of that? Right? You approach God, and you kind of get through like a thank you for this day. Now, God, I need this and 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 that. Right? Now, can I just tell you, God delights when his children need him. Okay? Some of you, you've got to be free from the thought of, oh, I'm a bother to God. No, no, you're not. He actually, what dad, what good dad, excuse me, is not pleased when his children need him? I'm 35 years old. I'm my own man, okay? I've been married for 15 years. I got five kids. I moved out of my house a long time ago. But when I pick up the phone and I call my pops and I tell my battery in my car is dead and Sophia can't come get me, or hey, I need you to go and get so-and-so from this activity because I'm stuck in a meeting. My dad, we, 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 we joke about this in the family. We call him Batman. He turns into Batman. Batman. Like, he loves it. I love it when you need me. I, I love it. Now, part of it is the way he, he is wired. He, he needs to be needed in that sense. How many of you are married or have somebody like that in your life? Come on, I know Mitch Manetti's not here to, uh, you know, defend himself. But, right? Like, but, but there is something about a good father's heart that delights when his children need him. Like, there's, there's this morning, 
Just this morning, we were getting ready to come to church. Sophia had left with a couple of the kids early, got here early. I'm getting ready. So it was just me and Benny, our, 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 our middle child, our, our third child. And, and I couldn't find him throughout the whole house. I'm like, where is he, right? I'm like, and by the way, that's just typical middle child. He gets lost all the time. So I'm yelling. I'm like, Benny, Benny, Benny. It's not that big of a house. I'm like, where could this kid be? Well, uh, over, over Christmas break, we uh, accommodated one of the garage bays into like a little music studio for our kids. And uh, they're all learning more instruments and all that stuff. And so I find him in there plucking along, trying to learn some things on the guitar. And, and I'm just so proud of him and stuff. And then uh, I said, hey, buddy, we're going to leave in five minutes. Are you fully dressed? Are you fully fed? Because by the way, I don't do that stuff. Like you're 11. You can do it yourself. Right? And, and so he's like, yeah, I made myself some eggs. I reheated some pancakes. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, okay. And so then I go back upstairs. I start getting, you know, doing my thing. I'm getting ready. And he comes in, grabs a guitar. And he goes, dad, it's out of tune. Can you help me? And I'll tell you what, man. I loved getting to help Benny this morning, even though it was going to make me late, and going, I'd love to help you tune your guitar, bud. God is pleased when you need him. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Here's that word and supplication. Come on, that scripture should be up there. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Say with me, in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And look at the result of this. is You're going to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's going to guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. I got to speed through this, but let me tell you, supplication means that we've got to recognize our state and our standing with God. We've got to recognize, God, I need you. And, and that means a bit of a, not a bit, a total surrender of our pride that says, I got this on my own. No, my friend, you don't. We don't got this on our own. We need God every single day. And, get, and I know I told you this was a teaching, but let me get real preachy for a second. Uh, the longer you walk with Jesus does not mean you need him less. The longer we walk with Jesus, that should mean there's a deeper, greater revelation of how much more we constantly need Him. God, supplication means, God, I recognize I am desperate for you. I need you, God. I need your wisdom. I need you to give me grace. I need you to give me eyes to see people the way you see them. Come on, because people are difficult and weird. Come on, weirdos. The book of Hebrews talks about how he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. So my friend, as we come with our supplications, would you do it diligently? Would you do it earnestly? Would you do it humbly? It's not a begging either. By the way, it's not a woe is me. In Spanish, we say, espero que Diosesito me escuche. I hope that little God can hear me. No, no, it's not that. It's I believe in a big, powerful God. Come on, man, I wish. Here's, okay. I, I, man, I really am. Okay. Um, okay, my wife said dale, that means go. Okay, so we're doing it. Okay, so here's the deal. I think, I think a lot of prayer comes down to just how big or little we think God is. I, I, really, I, I really do. It's like, you want to know why 
Philippians, you know, Paul is speaking to the Philippians and going, hey, don't be anxious about it. It's because these are the Philippians. Those are all people that were perfectionists and strivers. So they're the kind of people that are like, I got to get this done. And if I don't get this done, then I'm going to freak out. Right? I'm a perfect, and I got to get it right at all times, which is why, by the way, he talks about joy all the time in Philippians. Because he's like, hey, perfectionists, don't forget to smile for once. By the way, that's a free one for some of y'all that need to smile every once in a while. But, 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 here's, but here's the deal. I think a lot of times when it comes to prayer, when it comes to approaching God, we have got to recognize just his magnitude. Yes. Amen. Like, he's, he's the creator of all. Okay, I got to move this along. Um, before I move it along, part of supplication is also this. There's got to be a sober, reverent understanding that I can boldly approach a good God because of what his good son did for a wretch like me. I'm going to say that again because that's good stuff. It's a sober and reverent understanding that I can boldly approach a good God because of what his good son did for a wretch like me. Fourth thing, fourth S, okay, you ready? We're going to speed it up. Surrender. Four S. So we've, we've talked about stillness, we've talked about submission, we've talked about supplication, now we're going to talk about surrender. Matthew 16, 13, the latter part of the 13th verse. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Have you ever pray, prayed a prayer and had a really difficult time releasing the outcome to God? There's a reason why Jesus ends the prayer with this. Hey, after you've, after you've brought all your supplications to him, release the power to him. Recognize the power is in his hands. Recognize that it's, it's all in his hands and it should be left in his hands. There is a surrender. So my question to you is, are you willing to surrender the outcome of your prayer? And I mean it, like bold stuff. Let me give you a per personal example. One of many that I've, got, I've had in my life. Some of you know the story that our youngest daughter has struggled medically pretty much all her life. And there's been many moments where I've had to believe God for a miracle while completely surrendering her life over to Him. And going, God, I know you can heal her. And she's flatlined on us three times. And I know now this is her fourth surgery this week, God. And She's yours. I got to recognize I'm not in control. God, you are. The kingdom is yours. Come on. The power is yours. Fifth S, we're going to land the plane soon, is stand firm. This declaration at the end of Matthew 16 that we just read also means that there's a confidence that we can have in him. Ephesians 6 teaches us about the whole armor of Christ, this thing that we wear to be able to fight spiritual battles. And in the 13th verse, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, in the evil day. And look at this. And having done all to what? Stand. Standing means, Ben, you can come on up. Standing means I stand firm on who he is. 
I stand firm on his ability. I stand firm on the fact that I've done everything I can, but God, now, now it's up to you. And I think when it comes to prayer, we miss this, this part. Because you, you know what we want to do? Uh, let's, let's throw that meme that I have up, that slide, guys. Uh, sometimes we, we, we do this. Hey, God. So, you know, just checking in. You, you, you know, I think I surrendered to you. Uh, just, just wondering, what's the ETA? Come on, Amazon. Come on, Prime Shipping. I know you do this because I do it. You go to the confirmation of what you just ordered. Come on. And within an hour, you're watching for whether or not it's shipped. Anybody? I, am I the only one? That, thank you. All the rest of you are all liars. And then when you finally get that, you know, Alexa tells you, it has shipped if you have Alexa, right? Hopefully there's no Alexas in this room because now she's listening. Um, and the moment you get the notification that it's been shipped, what do you do? You, you, you refresh that tracking as if it was going to move that USPS truck any faster. Right? What can Brown do for you? Get here quicker. <laughs> and we do that with God. Hey, hey, God. Hello? It's me again. You know that thing I left in your hands? Like, how are we doing with it? Like, is it coming? Because I'm kind of on the front porch waiting. But you, you get it, right? When we've done all, we stand. And can I tell you, we don't move from that position. We don't, we don't stand. And by the way, when I mean stand, and with the Word of God being stand, it's not on wishful thinking. It's not on a rabbit's foot. No, my friend, you're standing on the rock. I'm talking about you're standing on the God of all creation. I, I'm talking about Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. I'm talking about Jehovah Nisi. I'm talking about Jehovah Rapha. I'm talking about all these names of this God that now we can stand firm on. And, and so after I've stilled my heart, and after I now come to Him, and I can bring in submission my supplications, I can surrender the outcome, surrender myself, and go, now I can stand firm on who you are and what I know you're going to do. Because what you're going to do, here's what I know God will do. He will do what's beneficial for me in the long run. Because, uh, Tony, how do, you, how do you know what he's going to do? No, I know what he's going to do. I may not know tangibly exactly what his next step is, but what I do know is this, is whatever he does will be for my benefit. So, church, if you watched last week's live stream on, on our message, I ended telling you this was going to be the year that I challenge you to share your story and share the hope of Jesus like you never have before. And that's a good charge and we're going to aim for that. First, we will not be able to do anything effective for God unless we learn to do things with and through God. And so church, we are going to not just up our level in prayer, 
we are going to chase after God's will in our prayer. I'm talking about radical surrender. God, do what you want. I'm, t- I'm not talking about being irresponsible, but I said this to the elders. We're going we're gonna to look at this year and we're going to go, what is it that you want to do? Not is it that what historically has been done. Not, not historically, God, uh, no, no, no. What do you have for us today? And I'm not throwing out the history. I'm not throwing out what he's done. Because that, of course, is going to give us an idea of where he's leading us. Because it's not like he's going to just randomly just pull a bus, uh, pull a U.E. on the bus. But so many times, hear me, we oftentimes approach God, whether it's a new year or a new season, with all this history and all this baggage, and it creates an expectation. And I want to come to God and go, what do you have for us today, the here, the now? Because my friend, man, some of you got to get this in your heart and I'm almost done. You were called and made and formed for such a time as this. You're not here by accident. You're not here because all your family brought you here. You're not here because Idaho's a place to be. No, no. You're here because God appointed you to be here in this moment, in this hour, to build his church. And I'm telling you, my friend, we're going to be a powerful church the moment we understand prayer is the fuel of what we do. We get a hold of God's heart. We get a hold of God's will. Oh, I'm telling you, people will be on Unstoppable. When we walk in a confidence that this is His will, this is what He's going to do, this is what we must do in obedience to His will. I wish I could get an amen this morning. Okay, I got to be done preaching. Here's 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 a couple things I got to tell you. Um, so here's some practical ways for you and I together as a church to engage in prayer. Uh, Wednesday every morning at 9 a.m. in the building we have prayer. Okay. Every Sunday at 8.30 a.m., we have pre-service prayer. Tony, I usually go to second service. Come to pre-service prayer, go get brunch, and then come back for second service. Better yet, Tony, I only come to second service. Come to pre-service prayer, serve first service, and then attend the second service. Okay? And then every second Sunday of the month at 6.45 p.m. Why 6.45? Because we're actually going to start praying at 7, but all y'all like to talk. So the doors will open at 6.45. Talk, and then at 7, we're going to start praying. Okay? Are are we in? Stand to your feet. Father, right now we ask in Jesus' name that as we go even now to sing this song, that let it be the declaration of our heart, of our soul. Lord, we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray now, Lord, as we move to responding to you, I pray, God, you would move our hearts. Lord, that you would speak to us. Teach us, God, to be still. Teach us, God, to submit. Teach us, God, to bring our supplication in complete surrender. And ultimately, God, after having done all, help us to stand firm on who you are, Lord. I thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com. Or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.